welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Just conveying a theological concept or some sort of an idea that we embrace, but that the essence of who you are will be communicated in what we share today. That people will leave here today knowing and having a greater understanding of just how much you love them, how much you desire to be a part of their life, how much you desire to bless them. And so I pray that you'll use me and help me uh, say the things that you'd have said and eliminate the things that don't need to be said so that we're just clear and concise in your message to us this morning. I give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, our opening text talks about the love of God, and it tells us that we are to love one another, and if we love one another, then we know God. And so we spent, you know, the good part of the late summer and fall talking about what it means for us to show love to other people. How does that, what does that look like? We forgive, you know, we're merciful, all those different things. But this verse sort of brings out an understanding that all of those things we talked about are not consistently possible in your life if you don't really know God. Now, this is not saying that you haven't been born again, you haven't accepted Jesus. It's saying that you know him. That word know is the word epignosis. I share this all the time. It's a Greek word and it means you've experienced him that you truly understand and and have an experience with God so that you know what he's like, you know what his love is like. And when you understand that, it's much easier to not try to love people, but to just let love come out of you, to be love. And so, you know, we made this statement early on, and I've made it every week, you will only love people to the measure that you understand and know God. If you have a very limited understanding of who God is or a warped understanding of who God is, you will struggle loving people, loving your, your, your spouse, your friends, your enemies. You'll struggle in all those areas if you don't know God. And so what we're endeavoring to do really in, in this series is endeavoring to understand this God of love that's been given to us. What does it mean when we say God is love? And we're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to gain that understanding. I read this every week, and I will every week. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 says this. This is the description of what the love of God is. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. And what I've pointed out is, is often we read that verse of scripture, we'll read it at weddings at times, You'll, matter of fact, it's very common to hear it at weddings, and we use it as a guide of how we are to, spo- or how we're supposed to show love. But, but actually, when we think about the fact that the Bible says God is love, then what we've pointed out is, is that these verses are a description of who God is. Matter of fact, it's probably a very concise, one of the most concise descriptions of who God is and all-inclusive pictures of who He is. It's not the ultimate. There are other scriptures that shed light on and and, and we need to understand in light of these verses. But notice, you know, if, if God is love and this is what love is, then we're doing no disservice to sort of read the verse this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. Read it this way. Instead of love, just put God in there. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. Man, what a privilege to stand and just declare that about God and who he is. God does not dishonor others. 
God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. This is a picture of the God we serve. This is a picture of who he is, and all that we know about God has to be interpreted through the lens of this, these verses. It has to be measured in light of these verses. And so we've been talking about the different aspects of who God is. So we looked at God as patient. We pointed out the fact that he is patient with a world that has not accepted him yet. He's withholding judgment and giving them the entire span of their life to receive the free gift of the forgiveness of their sins through what Jesus did for them on the cross. He is, he is patient. The Bible says he's long-suffering there. And then for us that are believers and have accepted him, he's removed the necessity for having patience with us. Because he's made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He calls us perfect while we're being made holy is what the scripture says. And so God, when, when Jesus died on a cross for us, he forgave all of our sins and he sees us as that new creation. And so there's not really a need in that sense of the word for him to be patient with us because of our shortcomings. He sees us without our shortcomings because of Jesus. But he's still working through us to build us and allow us to grow into the image of who Christ is, right? And so we find that God is patient. We pointed out last week that God is kind. You know, a lot of people, you know, struggle with that concept of God. There's lots of people that believe if they walked into the door of a church, I mean, lightning would strike them right dead where they're at because they see God as not a kind God, but a judgmental, angry God. Matter of fact, I've had people say that, man, if I walked into church, man, God would probably just hit me with a lightning bolt. But that's not the case. God is a kind God. He is 100%, no matter where you are in your life right now, even if you are resistant to him and have yet to accept him, he is 100% on your side and he's coming after you to bless you so that those blessings will be his love letter to let you know how much he really does love you. That's the God that we serve. Now today I want to talk to you about another aspect that we find in this verse. Notice what it says there. It says God is patient, God is kind, and it says God does not envy. Well, that seems obvious, right? God does not envy. But as we take a look at this, and what I want to talk to you about today is that God does not envy, but very closely related to the word envy is the word jealous. And although God does not envy, he is very jealous for you. And we're going to talk about that because I think sometimes people struggle with understanding that. And so as we look at that word envy, you know, if you, if you go into Strong's Concordance and you look it up, that word envy actually has a two, two-fold dual meaning, meaning, and they're actually almost polar opposites of each other, where you see that they're being used in Scripture. One, one, one meaning of envy uh, that we're going to talk about first is this. <clears throat> it is a passionate desire to have a quality or a possession or other desirable attributes belonging to someone else. So envy is the desire to want something someone else has. You know, matter of fact, when we, we hear in the, uh, you know, the commandments, covet, don't, don't cover your, your neighbor's wife, right? You, why? Because it's his wife, right? You don't covet something. You don't envy something that's not yours. And then, and then not only that, but if you look at the greater understanding of that aspect of the word, it means to be heated or boil over with hatred and anger over something someone else has that you don't. You ever been in that spot before where you just sort of chagrin because somebody got something and you think you deserved it and they, they didn't, right? Well, the Bible says in that sense of the word, God does not envy. We see this word envy used in Scripture. It says in Acts chapter 7 and verse 9, this negative aspect of envy. Speaking of um, Joseph and his brothers, 
Remember Joseph and his brothers. Joseph was loved by his father. His father gave him a coat of many colors. Joseph had a dream that he was going to lead his brothers, even though he was the youngest brother one day. And Acts chapter 7 and verse 9 tells us what his brothers did to them. It says, and the patriarchs, speaking of his other brothers, and the patriarchs moved with envy. Notice there's that word envy. They moved with envy and sold Joseph into Egypt. And so we see this negative aspect of envy. It's seeing somebody's got something that I don't have, therefore I'm really angry with them and I want to do them harm, I want to get it from them somehow. We see it again in Acts chapter 17 and verse 5, not, not only speaking of the patriarchs in the Old Covenant, but we see it even in the New Covenant. We see it after Jesus was raised from the dead. It says in verse 5, but the Jews who were not persuaded, not persuaded of what? Well, in Acts chapter 17, you had the disciples went into this town and they began to preach the gospel. And the gospel was beginning to gain momentum. But it says the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious. There's that word again. They were seeing that these, these people that were preaching the gospel were having success. They were seeing that maybe something, that some of the influence they had over people was being robbed from them. And it says, they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And so notice there what that, that verse points out is this negative aspect of envy. This thing that looks at others and says, you know, you don't think like I think. You, 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 you're, you're gaining momentum when I'm not. It's this envious position that gets angry when someone else is having success and we're not. We see that in the world today, right? Most, a lot in the political realm. We see, you know, well, there's these different viewpoints and all of a sudden people get angry and they start bashing and lashing out and having riots and doing all this crazy stuff, right? It's all the product of envy, it's all the product of wanting something that is not yours to possess or it's somebody else's. And so one aspect of the word envy is this desire for something that is not yours and to be moved by anger to get it. And so in that sense of the word, when we say God does not envy, God is not envious. God is not, there's nothing in him that desires what is not his. Nothing in him that desires what is not his. Why? Well, let me tell you, it's real simple, because everything is his. Everything belongs to God. And if everything belongs to him, then the, in the essence of the word envy, it's impossible for him to envy. Why? Because it's already his. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 14 says, Everything belongs to the Lord your God. The heavens, even the highest heavens, belong to him. The earth and everything on it belong to him. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, Everything belongs to God, and all things were created by his power. So we see here that everything on this planet is his. And even if we possess it, we're using it, ultimately he is the owner of it. As creator of the world, everything in it has been put on, basically put on lease for us to enjoy. Now that's important, that last statement that I made, that he's given us everything on this planet for us to enjoy, right? See, if God's not envious and we're enjoying certain things that are his, right, then he's not going to be angry when we're seeing success or we're being blessed or we're getting ahead. But I've got to tell you, there are religious uh, teachings that would cause you to believe that the minute you get ahead, God gets angry and he's going to do something to pull the wrong out from under you to set you back to keep you humble because he's angry with your success, but that's not the God we serve. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, it says God takes care of us richly. He gives us everything. Everybody say everything. everything. 
He gives us everything to enjoy. God has given us everything on this planet for us to enjoy, but some just don't see it that way. Some see progress, some see you advancing, some see, you know, getting, oh, you know, well, God's okay with you being a little bit prosperous. God's okay with you being a little bit healthy. But if you get too far ahead, you know, God's envious of that. Why? Because he wants your attention. You go, you go forget him. Well, I'm going to talk to you about the jealous side of God, that he does want your affections. He's very jealous for you. But the other side of it is this, that he's not envious. He's not angry when you get ahead. He's actually thrilled when you get ahead. He's happy when you get ahead. He's on your side. God is no more envious of you enjoying things than a landlord would be uh, with his tenant enjoying the, 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 the property that they have. Can you imagine that? A landlord giving it to a person to rent a house and, you know, they're enjoying it and him getting angry and envious because they're enjoying it? Well, it was designed for them to enjoy it, right? And that's the same thing we need to understand about God. Every good thing on this planet, God wants you to enjoy it. God does not want to hold it back from you. He's not envious of it when you get it. See, there's a lot of people that don't trust God. You know, they put more, how do I put this? God, often, often said this, God trusts us more than oftentimes we fear ourselves. Oftentimes in our life, we, we think, well, if I get too much, you know, I might forget God. But God says it's all there for you to enjoy. As a matter of fact, even when he issued warnings in the Old Covenant, when you get all these things, he said, don't forget me. But guess what? He didn't stop them from getting the things. They got blessed. And even though they got blessed, guess what? They forgot him. But God still didn't hold it back. He was like, it's for you to enjoy. So there's an element of, of us that requires restraint to be able to not forget about the God that blesses us, and that's why you're here this morning. So I'm not going to go preaching to you like you're not, because you're here. You're acknowledging him. And if you're here this morning, you need to understand something. God wants to, you to be blessed. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to progress. He wants you to get ahead. He's not envy of that at all. At 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, His divine power has granted unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God is not envious of you being blessed. All things he's given to you so that you can enjoy it. Now, I said earlier that the reason God is not envious is because he owns everything. But I want to sort of couch that a little bit because there is one thing that he does not own. You say, really? The one thing he does not own is your right to choose. He has given you the right to choose and he will not take it back. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, or for you to understand, against you, that, you have, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. God has given every man on the planet the right to choose. And it's important for us to understand this aspect of a non-envious God because envy is, is desiring something that is not yours. And we need to understand that God is a God that does not want to control us like puppets. He is not a God that wants to keep us under his thumb. He is a God that gives us a right to choose whatever it is we choose in life. And some people choose badly and some people choose wisely, right? Some people choose him and some people don't. But when a person makes a choice, and this is something you really need to understand, when a person makes a choice not to accept him yet, God is not envious of the choice they made. 
He still loves you. He's not angry with you. He's still going to come after you. He's going to still keep blessing you. He's going to still keep writing love letters to you to convince you at some point in your life, hopefully, that you'd say, he's just too good for me not to accept him. He doesn't turn his back on you when you make a choice that is contrary to what he desires. Because of the blood of Jesus, that just doesn't happen. He will never be done with you in envious anger in this life. As a matter of fact, when a man lives his life the span of this life, and if he goes the entire life that he has and doesn't accept God, when that day is over, we talked about this earlier on in this series, there is a side of God that is judgment, and judgment will have to be issued from a righteous God, but it won't be done from the heart of an angry, envious God because they didn't choose him. It'll be done from a heart-breaking, heart-wrenched God because he loves you so much and you missed your opportunity. See, God is a God that is not envious of us. And so in that sense of the word, he is not against your success. Matter of fact, he doesn't even view it as competition to him. I think so many times we do. We've been taught that erroneously. That, 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 that us progressing and us uh, doing better and us succeeding, that somehow when bad things happen, it's, it's an envious God trying to keep us in check. But that is not the God of the Bible. Why? Because God doesn't envy. Now, there's another aspect or definition of this word envy that is actually something that God truly is. And that word is more closely related to the word jealous. If you look up that word, as a matter of fact, the second definition says that it's a passionate, matter of fact, let me just read it to you. It's a passionate desire for something you do not possess that is rightfully yours. It is a passionate desire. So when we say God does not envy, he is not envious of your success. He's not envious of your choice. He's given it to you. It's your right to choose. But I will tell you this, he is passionately envious for you because he loves you and he created you. And in one sense of the word, you are his possession. We can see the use of this word in a positive sense. See, envy is not always a bad thing. Notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, it says, but covet earnestly. Everybody say covet earnestly. That word is the same word used to envy. And he commands us to envy in this situation, right? He says, covet earnestly the best gifts. So part of this aspect of the word envy that we have to understand, and it's going to help us understand who God is, is that envy is something in some situations that is a good thing. In this situation, we're to envy, we're to desire earnestly, even if it's not in our possession yet, the gifts that God has blessed us with. Every one of them. You know, some people say, well, you know, I just need this. I don't need all that. No, the scripture says earn, earnestly desire all of them. We should have a desire. Now, I didn't say we should be greedy. I didn't say that we should desire the possessions of others. And I didn't say we should lack godly contentment in where we're at right now. We should. But in the midst of that, there should also be this passionate desire that says, I don't have enough of him yet and I want more of him. I don't have enough of what Jesus died to give me yet, and I desire to honor him by receiving the fullness of that. Right? So we should have a mindset that says we are passionately envious, and God is that way, and I, and I share that because God is that way towards us. He loves us so much that he is passionately jealous for us to surrender to more and more of his love. Whether you've surrendered him the first time as a believer or whether you're right here this morning and you love him, he's still passionate for more of you. He is hungry for more of you. And why? Because he wants to own you? Because it's selfish? Because he wants to just hang on to you? No, because he wants to bless you more. 
See, there's nothing, we'll learn this, there's nothing selfish. There's not a selfish motive in God in anything he does because love is not selfish. It's the opposite of love. And the reason he wants more of you is not to control you or to restrict you or to take away from you. It's because he understands something. That if he has, the more he has of you, the more he can bless you. The more he can give to you. See, we see it in Job chapter 11 and verse 13 and us encouraged to surrender. And notice it says, surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Then you won't be ashamed. You will, you will be confident and fearless. Your troubles will go away like water beneath a bridge. <laughs> and, and your darkest night will be brighter than the noon. You will rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied, emptied of worry. You will sleep without fear and be greatly respected. Notice what this verse says. It says, and it's really the, the Spirit of God beckoning through the person that spoke this in Job. He's saying, if you'll surrender to me, it's not so that I can have you, it's so that you can be blessed. See, that's the heart of a passionate, envious God. He wants all of us. He wants every bit of us. Why? Because he is furiously, jealously, passionately in love with us, and he wants to bless us. I want to be careful to point out today, as it says here, to surrender to him, that it's, it's, we're not saying that you have to surrender to receive his love, but what it's saying is, is when you surrender, you put yourself in the best position to enter into everything he's already given you. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, it says this. It says, for I am jealous for you. This is Paul. These are Paul's words. Paul said, I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God. So notice there's a jealous side of God, right? He said, I am nervous for you for, with the jealousy of God himself. I promised, you a pure, I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Paul compares his jealousy for the people that were following him to the jealousy of God. And he says, I am so jealous for you to be 100% committed to Christ. Why? It's not so that you can be controlled. He says, I'm, I'm doing that so that you won't be deceived like Eve was. See, the reason God is jealous over us is because he's protective of us. And, and, and one aspect of this word jealous is, is there's a protective aspect of it. As a matter of fact, as you look it up, it means to have a passionate desire for something you do possess that is trying to be taken or harmed. It's sort of like a, a man, how many of you have you ever heard of a jealous husband? Right? You know, if another man stepped, you know, if you're married and another man stepped in and started trying to woo your wife and talk to your wife, how many of you men be ready to throw blows over that? Right? There's a jealous side of that, right? And, and, you know, and, and so it's sort of like that, but I think even a better picture of it is a, father, a, a father's love for his daughter, right? And the reason I say a father's love for his daughter, because how many of you realize at some point every man's daughter is going to be courted by some guy that wants to be, you know, typically that's the case, right? But there is a jealous side of a father that says, I recognize that you could be a blessing for her, but if you're not a blessing to her, I'm going to take you out. Right? And that aspect of God is 100%, even though he's not envious of our success, he is absolutely jealous over us. 
Jealous that someone would sneak in and deceive us. Jealous that someone would sneak in and harm us. Protectively jealous over us. So when we talk about a God that doesn't envy, we need to understand, he doesn't envy, he's happy for our success, but that doesn't mean that he's not a loving God that doesn't want to protect and look out for us. As a matter of fact, notice what it says here in Nahum chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, the Lord is a jealous God. Now see, when we read this a lot, I'm going to read it all first, then I'll explain it. It says, the Lord is a jealous God filled with vengeance and rage. That's the same God we talk about that's a God of love, right? He takes revenge on all who oppose him and continues to rage against his enemies. Wow, that's pretty violent, isn't it? You know, oftentimes when we read this, I think we read the scripture in light of us feeling guilty about ourselves. And so when we read that, the Lord is a jealous God, we think he's talking about he's jealous and he's angry with us. But how many of you know the scripture teaches us, and we've looked at this, if you've been here very long, the scripture teaches us because of Jesus, you're not his enemy. You're his child. You're his possession. You're his beloved. You're his bride. And what that verse is a picture of for me is this, that he loves me so much that if an enemy tries to come in and take what is his, including me, deceive me, bring me down, he's going to come from heaven with furious rage if I believe in that aspect of who he is. And he's going to protect me. And notice it says in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19, as the musicians come, I didn't expect this to be a long message this week, but Isaiah 59 and verse 19, notice what it says here. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood. You know, you may be here this morning, and you may feel like the enemy's coming in on you like a flood. You may feel like you're overwhelmed right now with problems. And what that verse says is, is when the enemy comes in with the, like a flood, here, here's a picture of our jealous protective God it says the spirit of the Lord will come like a raging river at flood stage whipped to torrent by the wind of God what does that tell me that tells me that when an attack comes to your life God is ever ready to strike out in jealous anger to drive out the problem that you're dealing with oftentimes I think too much we don't see it that way Oftentimes I think we see when a problem shows up, and I, you know, we teach it so much here, but I think there's a residue, it's been taught so much, that there's a residue in us that believes when a problem shows up that somehow, someway, God is trying to get a message to us. That somehow, someway, that problem is from the hand of God. When all the while God is standing by, jealously angry that the enemy is attacking us and is waiting to swoop in and turn the situation around if we'd only believe that about him. Because the only way we can do that is allowing him to enter our life in that aspect of who he is through the choice we make through faith. It's through the choice that says, God, I believe that the problem I'm going through is overwhelming. I don't know how I can fix it. I don't know how I can turn it around, but you are a jealously violent God when it comes to someone that would come against me or something that would come against me to attack me or to deceive me or to cause me not to enter into all that you have for me. So I'm trusting on, your behalf, on my behalf. I'm trusting that you come in like a flood to turn things around. And so as we've said, God is not envious, but he is jealous over you. He furiously loves you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 says, God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy. God is not envious of your success. He doesn't view it as competition to your affections for him. 
It is possible to be wildly successful in any area of your life and love him with all of your heart. It's just a simple choice you have to make, and you don't have to be fearful of that. Man, religion has built within us a fear of success, a fear of progress, a fear of getting ahead. Because we think somehow, some way, that that is contrary to what God wants to do in life. But you look at every dynamic follower of God in Scripture. Every one of them were blessed beyond measure because God loved them so much and they believed that about Him. God tells Noah to build an ark and He has the resources to build a floating zoo. God tells Abraham, if you'll love me with all your heart, I'll bless you. To the point that it says in Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham was very rich in cattle and in silver and in gold and he had so much possession that he had to split the land with his own son and his own nephew. God did that for him. See, God is not envious of you being successful. Man, I just, I don't know how else to say it this morning. I pray the Spirit of God will magnify what it is. I believe the Spirit of God is trying to get across and it's simply this. He desires for you to be blessed and He doesn't want you to fear success. It is actually His that He's giving to you. He's not withholding it from you. Oh, but if somebody comes to try to sneak in and take it, His jealousy will rage on your behalf if you'll believe for it, to defend you, to protect you. God is greater than the sum of all of our fears, and His furious love for us will cause Him to come running if we'll believe that. You say, well, I know Christians who, who were devastated. I don't know why that happened to them, but I do know this. I do know what Scripture teaches. And Scripture teaches us if we'll believe the truth of God's Word, we'll stand on the truth of God's Word, it will manifest in our life. So I'm not responsible for Christians who have failed. I'm not responsible for those who have maybe not lived up to the fullness of what God has. But what I am responsible for is telling you the truth and embracing it in my own life. God is not withholding from you. He is not envious. He is on your side. But he is jealously desirous of your affection so that he can bless you immeasurably and protect you the way that a loving father would. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I've done my best to share this aspect of who you are. I pray that we will leave here today with an understanding that you are not envious of our choices. You're not envious of our success. You're constantly coming over after us to bless us in spite of where we are and in spite of the choices we make, you just keep on coming. But you are very jealous for our affections and for the fullness of our heart. For us giving you all of who we are. Not so you can possess us. Not so you can selfishly consume us as your servants. But so that we can find ourselves in the best possible place to enter into all that Christ has provided for us. I thank you for that, Father. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're here this morning, maybe you never saw the fact that God is not angry with you. He is on your side. He wants to bless you. Maybe you've never made him the Lord of your life ever. You've never made a choice to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, but you would like to do that today for the very first time. If that happens to be you, 
Would you just raise your hand with me and say, yes, that's me, Pastor. I want to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Anyone at all, I'm going to wait just a moment. I think I know everybody here. I think I know everybody's a believer, but I don't want to assume anything. Anyone at all? Okay. Then secondly, I'm just going to ask you, as I pray for you to dismiss you here, that you'll embrace and be thankful this weekend. As we think about the things, and we're concluding this Thanksgiving weekend, as we think about the things to be thankful for, that we'd be thankful that we have a God is not envious of our personal success, and He's given us all things in life to enjoy. That we would be thankful for that kind of God that's so gracious, so giving, so kind but we'd also understand that he is passionately jealously in love with us and desires all of us so that we're not our worst enemies so that we can enter into all the blessing he's already provided the fullness of his goodness thank you for that father i thank you for each person here i thank you that they're blessed i thank you that they're highly favored Thank you that your hand of favor rests upon them and you are for them, not against them. You're looking to bless them and increase them and help their life grow to the heights that you desire it to be, which is great, great places. Thank you we don't have to be afraid that somehow you're against our success. You are for us. I give you praise and thanks for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet with me. Prayer partners, if you'll make your way to the front, if you happen to be here this morning and you need prayer and somebody hasn't joined hands with you and agreed with you in prayer and you'd like to have someone physically pray for you, we have prayer partners at the front who will join hands with you and agree with you and stand with you in prayer. They'll pass along your prayer request to me and Delise and the rest of the prayer team and we'll be, we can believe God with you too for answers. Amen. So they're right over here. Make sure you avail yourself to them. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you as you go away. Enjoy the final few moments of your Thanksgiving weekend. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that you love them, that you care about them, that your hand of blessing is upon them. I thank you that you give your angels charge over them to guard them and protect them and bear them up so that they do not have, no harm comes near them. I thank you that you protect them from pestilence coming near their household, sickness attaching itself to them. I thank you that your hand of blessing is upon them. Success and favor rest upon them. And I thank you that as they move forward, whatever they put their hand to prospers. I thank you, Father, that you bring them back safely to worship with us again as the opportunity presents itself. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you all. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend, and we'll see you Wednesday night. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you.